0: Well, this morning, we're going to be continuing our series in the book of Psalms, looking at a song of trust. When I was a kid, one of my uh, favorite board games to play was the game of life. How many of you guys remember playing the game of life as kids growing up? Uh, this is a, a super fun game, and if you remember, the whole point of the game of life is, you, you know, you make your way around the board, and you're racing your opponents around the board, and you're trying to, you know, gain achievements in life. And so you go to college, and you try to get a career, and a job, and, you know, a house, and a family, and you collect all this stuff, and, and basically the goal of the game is to get to the finish line first, and be the one who's collected the most money, the most stuff, the most achievements and acclaim, and you're declared the winner. You guys want to play with me this morning? So uh, you spin the wheel, and uh, you spin the wheel, and then you start making your way around the board, all right? And so I land here, and I'm going to take my first card, and it's my career card. I'm a veterinarian. That's a pretty good career. Pays a salary of $100,000 a year. Uh, A guy could almost live on that, right? That's pretty good. So I'm a veterinarian. I'm going to keep making my way around the board, and There we go. I got my first house. It's a hobby farm. $300,000 hobby farm in the country. That sounds like a pretty good deal. And, uh, you know, of course, I got a great career, so I can afford that. No problem. And I'm going to keep going around the track. By the way, this game is a lot more fun when other people are playing with you. (laughs) Let's see. uh, Surprise! I got a pet! All right? I just uh, got a new dog. So I add my uh, pet to my family, keep working my way around the board. Let's see here, we got, oh promotion! Promotion, I'm making even more money, that's awesome! All right, so I'm gonna take some extra cash. Look at my bank account is getting full. Gotta love that. Keep working my way around the board. Let's see what's next. Oh, hey, my wife's gonna love this. We're going on a Savannah Safari, all right? I mean, of course, I mean, I'm making big bucks so I can afford a sweet vacation. So we're going on vacation together. We're gonna keep going around the board. What's next? Oh, hey, my kids are going to love this one. Swimming pool. We're getting a swimming pool. All right. Caleb and Addie are going to be excited to hear that when they get home after church today. <laughs> oh, and here's something for me. A brand new home entertainment system. Uh, a buy a home theater. I mean, this is This is amazing. And so I get to the end of the game, and I've got this fat bank account with hundreds of thousands of dollars. i got this incredible family. i got this amazing house. I've been on all these great vacations. i got a home theater, a swimming pool. I mean, what more could a guy ask for? You know, friends, the question I have for us this morning is at what point did the game of life stop being a game and become our reality? You know what I'm saying? I I find it really interesting that the game of life isn't all that different from real life for most people. For most people in our world today, the the goal of life is to race through life and make as much money as you can and collect as much stuff as you can and maybe go on some cool trips and buy a great house and hopefully you can retire when you're 60 years old and then spend the rest of your life buying more stuff and going on more trips. And for many people, that's, that's the goal. But friends, is this really what life's all about? racing around to see who can make the most money and collect the most stuff and acquire the most prestige. And if that's really the goal, here's a question. In the end, does any of it really even matter? I mean, if that's the whole point of life. I mean, the reality is, when the real game of life is over, it's not just game pieces that go back in the box, but we all end up in the box. You know what I'm saying? I'll never forget 11 years ago when my father passed away. Going to the funeral home to pick up his urn. We had his body cremated. And I remember holding this wooden box. Beautiful box. Beautiful wooden box. And my dad's body was in there. Cremated. And I'll never forget thinking, I mean, is this really what it's all about? Is this the sum total of a person's life, a a box? You know, sadly for a lot of people, that is the reality. But the good news for us this morning, friends, is that God's word gives us a vision of a much richer, fuller, and more meaningful kind of life. We're going to discover the source of this kind of life in our psalm this morning, Psalm 16, a great psalm of trust. The the great British preacher Charles Spurgeon once preached a message on Psalm 16 and he titled his message The Psalm of the Precious Secret. The Psalm of the Precious Secret. That's what we're going to discover this morning together. In this psalm we're going to discover the precious secret to a life of true abundance and joy and contentment and hope. Friends, does that kind of life sound good to you? If so, this is the psalm for you. We're in Psalm 16, verses 1 through 11 this morning. I want to read our psalm, and I want to come back and highlight for us where David finds the precious secret to a truly meaningful and fulfilling life. Psalm 16, starting in verse 1. Preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. As for the saints in the land, they are the excellent ones, in whom is all my delight. The sorrows of those who run after another God shall multiply. Their drink offerings of blood I will not pour out or take their God's names on my lips. The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. The lions have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. In the night also my heart instructs me. I have set the Lord always before me. Because he has my, is at my right hand, I shall not be shaken. Therefore my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure. For you will not abandon my soul to shale or let your Holy ones see corruption. You make known the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Friends, did you catch the precious secret there in David's song? The secret, according to David, is a life of unwavering trust and wholehearted commitment to God. And David sums up his basis for his unwavering trust in God in the the final stanza of this psalm. In fact, verse 11 basically summarizes the entire song. David in verse 11 says, You make known the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. That's going to be our outline for this morning. I mean, David did half of the work for me this week. David puts his unwavering trust in God, number one, because he had discovered that God makes known the path of life. God makes known the path of life. Thursday night, I was driving home from Forest Lake, and I was listening to 104.1 Jack FM, the greatest hits of the 80s and 90s. Yes, I'm a child of the 80s, and I... I like to listen to some good old 80s music occasionally. and I'm listening to Jack FM and all of a sudden, you know, in between songs, sometimes they have those little bumper lines that come up to promote the radio station and, and I'm listening to the radio, all of a sudden the, the song ends and the bumper line comes on and the bumper line says, let Jack FM fill the metaphorical hole in your life. You ever heard that kind of idea before, friends, this idea that we all have this hole in our lives that we're seeking to fill? I mean, if listening to 80s music can fill that hole, good luck. But that was the tagline, let, let Jack FM fill the metaphorical hole in your life. And I started thinking about that, this concept that we have this, this hole in our lives. Friends, you know where that concept comes from? It's actually a biblical concept. That whole idea, that comes from the Bible. It it comes from Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 11 where Solomon says that God has set eternity in the hearts of men and women. In other words, God has created all of us with a longing and a need to know him and to live in relationship with him. And apart from him, we cannot fill that hole in our hearts. Certainly 80s music isn't going to do it for you. And a lot of people go through life trying to fill that metaphorical hole. David, David discovered that there's only one thing Only one person who can fill that hole in our lives. David says in our passage in verse 2, he says, I have no good apart from you. David discovered that there's only one person who can fill that hole in our heart. That longing that all of us have for meaning, for purpose, for fulfillment, for contentment. And that can only be filled by our creator God. David says, I have no good Apart from you, David says, You want to know the path of life? The path of life is found living and walking in a relationship with our Creator God. It's very interesting in verses one and two, if you have your Bibles there, David uses three different words for God in those two verses. He starts out, he says, preserve me, O God. The the word for God there in the Hebrew is El. It's where the word Elohim comes from. El means mighty one. So David says, preserve me, O mighty one, for in you I take refuge. And then he says, I say to the Lord. That's a different word for God. That's Yahweh. That's the I am. That's the personal name of God that God had revealed to the Israelites. You want to know who I am, God says. I'm your personal creator who wants to reveal himself to you. I am Yahweh, the I am. And then David uses a third word for God. He says, you are my Lord. And that word for Lord is is Adonai. It means master. And and so here David identifies three different words for God. You could really read verses 1 and 2 as, preserve me, O mighty one, for in you I take refuge. I say to Yahweh, the personal God of Israel, you are my master. And in that recognition, David discovered that there is no other good apart from God and apart from making him the master, the head of our lives. That's the path of life, friends. The path of life is literally any path that's walked in relationship with God where we put him first as master over our entire being. That's the path of life. Your career doesn't matter. Your home doesn't matter. How much money in your bank account. None of that matters. What matters is are you walking in a personal relationship with the mighty one, the personal God of Israel, the master, and are you putting him first and foremost? Pastor Sam Storms has this great quote on Psalm 1611 here. He he says, everything without God is pathetically inferior to God without everything. Think about that for a minute. Everything without God is pathetically inferior to God without everything. You can have nothing in this world and yet have a relationship with your creator God and that is far and away superior to having the entire world and not knowing God. David says, you make known the path of life. This is a lesson probably best illustrated by David's son Solomon. Solomon. Solomon, who who followed David as king of Israel, Solomon was the wisest person who ever lived. Yet Solomon spent much of his life pursuing fullness of life, the path of life, in everything other than his creator. If you read the book of Ecclesiastes, Solomon tells us that he went after all of the things this world has to offer. He pursued wealth. He, He built large palaces. He had a whole harem of women he had art. He had, he had learning. I mean, he pursued everything that the world says provides fulfillment. And at the end of his search, Solomon declared vanity of vanities. It's all vanity, meaningless, a mist, a breath, a vapor. It's here one moment, it's gone the next. It can't satisfy it. And so at the end of the book of Ecclesiastes in chapter 12, verse 13, after going on this search throughout the whole world, trying to fill that hole in him,